Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Rincon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. And welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon. And on the show today, Mr. Nick McKinley. Nick, I am excited to have you on. And I'm going to read a little bit of background on Nick. And our missions may be very closely aligned in this world. We're going to find out. He is someone that just to give you a little background on Nick. First of all, when you go down the rabbit hole and see him online, Harvard is next to his name. So that's got a little bit of clout there. And then he's been in the Central Intelligence Agency as an intelligence officer overseas for a number of years, Department of State. And now, as I look at his LinkedIn profile and we see what he's doing today is he's creating technology to help catch predators and protect our society. And human trafficking is something that the place where we invest our time and money to help fight that. And Nick is doing it on the front line. And it's just a real honor and pleasure to have you here. Mr. Nick McKinley, welcome to the show, sir. Well, hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. I'm not sure who uh, who you were describing, but I promise you they're not as impressive as it may seem on paper. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not, but we will see. <laughs> Because certainly well, I've been impressed so far. It's been easy talking to you. <laughs> I'm a whole lot more like Forrest Gump than I am uh, Jason Bourne. So something to uh, something to always keep in mind. Yeah, well, you know, Forrest Gump is eternal. I mean, I remember when I graduated from high school in 95, there, our class valedictorian started off with life is like a box of chocolates. So uh, <laughs> there is an eternal quality to Mr. McKinley already. So let's dive in and find it first. Nick, can you tell us what is your mission and the thing that drives you each and every day? I think that we, and I mean, we as Americans have a very unique place in society to be able to make the world a better place if we want to. It really just comes down to that. And so for me, you know, I'm a father of small children and a husband to an amazing wife, and I have an amazing team in, in my companies. And so why would I not be using the skills? Why would I not be using the talents that God gave me in order to make the world a better and safer place for everybody? I think that starts with our children. So my mission is to, well, so again, from a personal perspective, my mission is to live a principled life. But from a professional mission, my mission is to create scalable solutions to protecting society from predators. And that starts with protecting our children from human trafficking. Thank you. Thank you. I'd love to start first with a little bit of the personal side. You said live a principled life. What are the principles that really matter to you that you've tried to live up to, Nick? There's really four of them. First and foremost is to be a trustworthy person and live to be trustworthy to other people, but also trustworthy to myself. So do I actually believe I can do the things that I think I can do? Can the people around me rely on me and trust me to be the person that they expect me to be, right? I mean, I think too oftentimes we look at trust externally instead of looking at trust internally first and foremost. And so for me, it's my first principle is trust. 
I both have to be able to trust myself, but I also have to be able to be the person that other people can trust. And then second to there, from there, my principle is to maintain standards, discipline, and mission focus. Standards start with yourself. Am I upholding the standard that I say I am, I am upholding? Am I maintaining a discipline to that standard? And then am I maintaining focus on my mission? So obviously my mission first and foremost is my family, but then it's professional. So if I can say, okay, I am crushing it professionally, but at the expense of my family, well, then I'm not meeting my mission and I know that I need to make some adjustments. So that's kind of the way that I look at that really mission first principle, but that also means in order to have a mission, you have to have a standard that you're maintaining and you have to have discipline to that standard. Kind of a long way of saying this is not so much one principle as it is a combination of them. Third and foremost is managing ego and talent. We all have ego. The question is, is it personal ego or is it collective ego? I have managed to be able to do some pretty cool stuff in my life, mainly because I've just worked my tail off. Trust me, anybody who knows me will tell you it, it was not raw and innate talent, but it wasn't something that I was trying to do to try to enhance myself per se. It was more of this is something I need to do to enhance whatever my mission was. So if it was joining the Air Force Pararescue teams, joining the Central Intelligence Agency, I mean, even something like going to undergrad and grad school at Harvard. It was a, well, this is an ego, managing that ego and talent and making sure that I am keeping myself in check, but then also using my talents to the best of my ability and not, you know, not settling for something less just because it's easier. My fourth principle is service. So once I have done all those things and only once I've done those things, can I be of service to those around me? One of my mentors told me once that you can't feed the world if you're starving yourself. If you don't do those other three things, then you actually aren't useful. So you can't be of service because only people who are useful can be of service. So then I try to focus on being of service to my family and society. And there are people who don't always like the way that I do that, but nobody can ever say that. I haven't swung for the fences and tried to do the absolute best that I can. Mm, thank you. Thank you for giving us the rundown on the values. And uh, I feel even closer to you now because some of these are very similar to my own personal values. So awesome. Sure. Thank you. Let's go to the professional side of things, creating scalable solutions to protect society from predators. When was this idea born? If you could take us back to the genesis of why this became your professional mission, Nick. So really, it comes all the way down to I mean, you can go all the way back to when I was a child. So I was an orphan. This was abandoned my parents at a very young age. I was extremely fortunate to have been adopted by some incredible parents who moved me to Montana and I got to live a childhood in Montana, which is pretty idyllic. But if you look at the statistics of what my future would have looked like had my parents not stepped in and adopted me, it's pretty bleak. The statistics are pretty clear on the future of orphans who don't get the care that they need. And so I think that just was always a kind of a subconscious trigger that I need to be hyper self-reliant. I needed to kind of like be in service to others. And it's hard to describe, but I think anybody else who comes from that type of background would understand Professionally, as I move through, again, military special ops, where you're, especially during the wars, where you're looking at lots and lots of what are societal predators. We might call them terrorists. 
we might call them drug dealers, we might call them narcotics traffickers or weapons proliferators, but at the end of the day, they're all societal predators. Fast forward to a time when I was in Lashkar Gah, Afghanistan, and I was working with a JSOC counterpart, and we had what I like to call smoking gun intel on a human trafficker that was selling children across an international border. And I mean, we obviously wrote that up, and that's the kind of thing that you join the government to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to solve these kinds of problems. I was on, at the time, probably my 24th or 25th combat deployment. So I'd seen a thing or two. And even though I had all that experience, been in special ops and, and intelligence operations for decades at this point, I figured out that nobody was actually working the human trafficking issue. So I always assumed as I saw human trafficking and child exploitation, these societal predator issues, I, I always figured that somebody somewhere was doing something about this, right? I mean, in my old world, I mean, we can yeah. kill people with flying robots from 6,000 miles away. Like surely we're doing something about this human trafficking issue. And what I learned through that experience of trying to figure out where to put this intelligence and where this JSOC officer could send this intelligence, we really couldn't find any central place to do it. So if you have drug intelligence, was a very clear place for that, right? Within organized crime or the office of organized crime and within the DEA. If you have terrorism intelligence, it's very clear where that goes. It goes to the counterterrorism center. You have human trafficking intelligence. Where does that go? Who's working that issue? Who's got the full-time focus on it? And that made me curious. And so I started looking into who was doing what on the issue. And ultimately what I found, I still was under the impression that this was an international issue. This is an over there issue, not an over here in the U.S. issue. When I started looking at the data, essentially came to the conclusion that dollar for dollar, the largest human trafficking market is the United States of America. Really? So that was kind of a slap in the face. So here I was wow. spending all this time focused over there when our people were being preyed on over here. And then when it came to the fight against those predators, well, that's law enforcement's job. Men and women of law enforcement, unfortunately, often get demonized because they are expected to do entirely too much. They're expected to be the experts in everything. And you have the public saying, I've seen CSI. Why can't you just move a satellite and hack into a camera and pull some data? I mean, it's just, it's just not the way the system works. So when I started talking to law enforcement officers and looking at the case data around human trafficking in the United States, I found that not only were there political interest groups, for sure, that were causing problems in the fight against human trafficking, but one of the other issues was that law enforcement in the United States was decentralized. So I was coming from the special operations and intelligence world, which is very centralized, and there's pretty centralized chains of command. Well, when you look at law enforcement across the United States, there's over 18,000 jurisdictions. There's essentially 18,000 different silos. Now, they work well together regionally and kind of within the same community, usually, not always. But law enforcement officers in Nebraska don't know law enforcement officers in Florida unless they happen to have met at a conference or something. And so there's no kind of centralized phone book of like dial a cop where they can start collecting and, and comparing information. I realized that that was a real limiting factor in the fight against human trafficking, and that was one that I knew how to solve. That's why I say scalable, because I, Nick McKinley, with all of my training in special ops and intelligence, I probably would have been a pretty good law enforcement officer. Great. Now I'm one person who can do one thing at a time just joining the fight. And that's important work, and we need people to join law enforcement, and I think people should. But where can I have the most impact? Well, wherever I can have the most impact is going to be in the way that I can get all of the people who are already working this issue to be able to connect. 
I can get industry partners to start screening human traffickers out of basically out of commerce, get them to deny the territory of polite society to human traffickers and people who are participating in the criminal underground. I can get parents to be able to give them a first step of data to start screening for potential connections to human trafficking, which in America predominantly is connected to the commercial sex industry. And so what people think is the commercial sex industry or they think is escorts or they think are prostitutes, it's actually oftentimes human trafficking. And even in the few cases where there is chosen prostitution, and I use that word chosen very, very loosely here, but even when there is that connection with the commercial sex industry, human traffickers don't like competition. And so they do everything they can to push the actual prostitutes out of their territory so that they can then run those victims, which people think are prostitutes. Then when I looked at, okay, well, why do we not have this centralized system to fight human trafficking and fight these predators? That's very clear. It's the pornography in the commercial sex industry. You have the prostitute lobbies and the pornography lobbies, which are extremely powerful because the pornography lobby is, is extremely well-funded. I mean, they spend lots of money to get reporters to write hit pieces about me and Deliver Fund. They are actively trying to keep that industry going because they're making a ton of money from it. When I started to really see the battleground with clarity and see it for what it was, it was very easy to say, okay, this is a problem that I'm going to take a swing at solving. And that's how we got here. Wow. So many questions. Let's start with this one. So I think what you just shared is the pornography lobby, extremely well-funded, is trying to keep individuals like yourself out of power or influence because it's a cash cow. 100%. Is the pornography lobby, whatever their intentions might be, are they doing it because these are the people that work here illegally and this is the industry, we want to support this industry, or are they actually the traffickers themselves? Or do we know? Or can you say? Can you be careful what I say here? Because I don't want to def- I don't want to be accused of defaming anybody. What I can say yes. is that some of the biggest pornography sites in the world have been brought up on criminal charges by the Department of Justice for human trafficking. That is a true statement. What that means is that the Department of Justice believes that those very large pornography sites are willingly participating in human trafficking. And a lot of it is, well, we just don't want to, like, they're just putting their heads in the sand. And it's essentially a willingness to not know. Because if those pornography sites actually wanted to know whether or not there were underage victims on their sites, if those escort sites honestly wanted to know whether or not there were underage victims, well, then there are solutions for that. I mean, you cannot buy alcohol in the United States without uploading an ID, an ID and verifying that you are the person that you say you are so that the company can ship you the alcohol. Same thing with tobacco. So why should pornography or the commercial sex industry be any different? But when we talk about alcohol and tobacco, we're talking about legal things. We're talking about the commercial sex industry. Whether we talk about prostitution or human trafficking, it doesn't matter. They're both illegal. Obviously, the prostitution issue is not really my fight. I don't really care if those people decide to do what it is they do. I wish they wouldn't, but it's more on this human trafficking side. So prostitutes don't have rights because they're criminals. They're engaging in illegal activity. So we need to prioritize the rights of and the protection of children at all costs. And that's where I think some people are really going to disagree with me in that 
they'll say that, oh, well, you're violating people's privacy or you can violate privacy or maybe we shouldn't have the police going after these people because they don't really like police or whatever the case is. We should be prioritizing the protection of children at all costs. And that was one of the things that I realized was happening here in the United States. And so I just decided, well, a line has been drawn in the sand. And on one side, you have individuals and companies and politicians and lobbyists who are squarely on the side of prioritizing the protection of prostitutes and the commercial sex industry and pornographers over the protection of children. You cannot have it both ways. And they have chosen their side and I have chosen mine. That's why I started Deliver Fund and why I started looking at trying to empower as many people as possible to detect this type of activity within their networks, especially if the people who were in their networks had any type of communication or contact with their children. What strikes me is that the narrative that you are sharing right now is so far on the opposite side of the baseball field that I thought it was going to be. You're saying the pornography lobby out there or whatever that industry, commercial sex industry, I have no idea of that. I'm thinking about there's this back alley website, your people are getting stolen at Walmart is what you hear on the street. And it's actually tapping in broad daylight in plain sight right in front of us. And the narrative is not that at all. That's right. And if you talk about it, you might be defaming someone. So you're silenced to some degree to, well, to name specifics. I'm just a little careful about what I say, but anybody can Google this information on their own. And I think that is one of the common misconceptions is that this concept of stranger abduction when it comes to human trafficking and child sex trafficking. If you live in Guatemala or Colombia or Mexico or India, a developing world country, then, then that's actually a real threat. But if you live in a westernized country, you live in the United States of America, stranger abductions are extremely rare. In fact, your child has roughly the same chance of getting struck by lightning as they do by being abducted by a stranger. And we know that because the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children keeps very good data. It's a phenomenal organization that does great work. And all law enforcement officers across the United States in every jurisdiction that gets a, a missing child report has a requirement to report that to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children within 24 hours they are the national repository for missing children data. And what you find when you look at their data is that they believe it's 0.0001% of their missing child cases are stranger abductions. However, 92% of their cases are what they call endangered runaways. Many, if not most, of those endangered runaways are children who are contacted by a stranger online They are groomed, so they are manipulated is a better way to say it, over a period of days to weeks to months where they then willingly run away from their parents into the arms of a predator. Now, that could be a child pornographer, a human trafficker, that could be any number of people, but they willingly run away is kind of the whole point. So when you think about human trafficking, oftentimes parents immediately are like, oh, I got cameras everywhere and I've got the best locks on my door. And, you know, we're always looking for the white van with free candy spray painted on the side to be rolling through our neighborhood. And that's all important. Like no, no parent should drop the ball on that. However, meanwhile, their daughter who just got sent to her room 
because she's mad at her dad because he wouldn't let her wear the miniskirt to school, just made a TikTok video saying how she's mad at her dad because he is keeping her confined and not letting her grow up. And a human trafficker slides right into those DMs at that very point of vulnerability and starts manipulating her and being and saying all the things that she wants to hear. You're right. You're so beautiful. Your dad's just trying to control you and keep you from growing up. Hey, let me send you an Amazon gift card to help you out. Hey, could you send me a photo so I can show my friends how beautiful you are? And then it's like one thing after another. She's manipulated. And then the next thing you know, she's done something that she regrets. And then that trafficker, that predator starts doing what they call sextortion, starts essentially extorting her because maybe she sent a nude photo or something like that. It starts extorting her, getting her to do things she was doesn't want to do. Or that predator convinces her to run away from home. And she's convinced that this person has her best interest in mind and that this person is going to look out for her and take care of her in which case that trafficker immediately starts advertising her online and renting her, usually renting her body by the hour. So that's the real threat. And that's what I'm trying to get parents to focus on is the modern age, the modern internet communications age, right? Or allowing this to happen right now. I mean, you and I would never be able to have this in depth of a conversation or except for in the old days, except over letter, and it would take probably months to years. And now we're able to have this over the internet in real time. So, so that's really important, and we need those types of technologies. However, what we did with all of these different technologies and social media and games and whatnot that are all connected through the internet is we gave the predators access to all the prey. Because keep in mind, child predators and human traffickers used to only be able to influence and get access to the children and their immediate sphere of control, which is why oftentimes you would see them go take jobs in places where there were lots of children. But you don't have that anymore. Now, that same predator is online and can be talking to a 12-year-old girl who's 3,000 miles away. Mm. My mind is going in so many directions that are all very, very negative and, and painful. <laughs> and I'm screening through the filters, trying to do my best as a dad of young girls to, when you send them to their room, try to overprotect. And I know there's just no way to do that. Right. You know? So what I'm really feeling right now is being a strong parent and being a loving and caring parent is, is one of the best things we can do to arm our kids and protect our kids from this is to be good parents. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, are you working to help turn all these 18,000 silos into a centralized place? Is that what the Deliver Fund is? And can you tell us a little bit more about how you're helping empower that? Yes. So we work in three different ways. Our basic model is we want to equip, train, and advise. And that's why we're so good at this is because this is exactly what we did in places like Afghanistan and Libya. I mean, we would equip, train, and advise the locals and the local populace and, and the local governments and local industry. So we're taking the exact same model that we use to fight terrorism. One of the things I think that makes what we do unique is we got to see behind that curtain, we, not just me, but members of my team. So you do 30 combat deployments to all these different places, and you're going you're gonna to learn a thing or two. We focused in the, in the early days on just equipping, training, and advising law enforcement. And so we have a platform called PATH, which stands for the Platform for the Analysis and Targeting of Human Traffickers. And that platform is for all of the state and local law enforcement officers who are fighting human trafficking who want to be in a centralized platform. We provide that platform to them, usually at no cost. 
then we have all of this data that we're scraping from commercial sex advertisements, which we also provide to them either directly or through partners at no cost. Then we have the manpower issue that a lot of law enforcement officers have. So we have analysts that are embedded in human trafficking task forces. So we currently have a analyst in the, like as an example, in the Human Trafficking Rescue Alliance, which is the human trafficking task force in Houston, Texas. So then what we'll do is we take this data in this centralized platform and start helping law enforcement officers all start being able to connect their cases so that if a law enforcement officer in Nebraska has a human trafficking case and that human trafficker goes to Boston, then the law enforcement officer in Boston doesn't have to start the case from scratch. They can literally pick up where the other law enforcement officer left off and they can have all that historical data. And then prosecutors really like that historical data because then they can show a pattern of movement and a pattern of life, which backs up their federal case, because not only can they now prove that this trafficker has been crossing state lines, but they can also prove how long this trafficker has been up to this. That's why that's so important. So we started there and we're still doing all these law enforcement operations. I mean, right now we have an analyst who's just checked in on him and he was working a, a massive massage parlor case that actually spreads through multiple, multiple states. And he's working with a number of prosecutors on and, and law enforcement officers in different jurisdictions on that case. So we still do that work. But then what we started to do last year was make this data available to industry partners. And probably after this goes out, Deliver Fund will have been mentioned in a press release with one of the largest companies in the world where they are going to be using our data in the financial system in order to screen criminal act, this criminal activity out of the financial system. So we went from working with law enforcement to working with industry. And then now we have an app that we've released called HT Safeguard. So if you just go to the app store and put in HT Safeguard, It'll come up with the Deliver Fund app. And what that app is, is a portal primarily aimed at parents, but it could be single girl wants to check out her Tinder date. I mean, it could be any number of people to be able to screen the phone numbers and email addresses of people in their network for potential connections to human trafficking or commercial sex activity. And the reason that's important is all of the data that is in Deliver Fund system is publicly available. You can find okay. any of the phone numbers that we have or any of the email addresses that we have. You can find those just by using common search tools like Google. Now, it might take you five minutes or 10 minutes to search through all the results and things like that, but you can find it. The problem is if you do it through kind of the traditional internet search engine resources is that oftentimes it's going to lead you to a commercial sex website or it's going to lead you to a pornography website because all this stuff is happening on the front-facing internet. So if you don't mind being exposed to that kind of graphic content, well then yeah, you don't need our app. You can spend the time to go do it through the search engines. But if you don't wanna be exposed to the graphic content, or if you tell, say your child, hey, I want you to run the phone numbers of every person who contacts you online through this app, you very clearly don't want them to be exposed to the graphic content. 
then you can use our app. And that's just a great example of how we are empowering not only law enforcement and industry, but now also empowering the public to be able to screen the the selectors in their community for connections to this industry. Now, if there's a hit in the app, that does not mean that the person who has that phone number right now is a human trafficker. It could be historical. So it doesn't mean that. All it means is that phone number is connected to a commercial sex advertisement. That is a true statement of fact, ah, right? That's all okay, it means. Okay. But that's a really darn good starting point for making a decision about what is best for you as an individual and what is best for your family or your child. Yes. So it's phone numbers that we can enter into the HT Safeguard app at this time. Phone numbers and email addresses right now. We're going to have some other data coming out here probably over the next six to 18 months. It's kind of hard to say, but yeah, right now it's just phone numbers and email addresses. Again, all that app is doing is giving you a portal into publicly available data. Understood. Yeah. And I see it on here right now and I'm going to sign up for it right now. It's Wow. It's like less than a cup. Of, it's less than a cup of coffee <laughs> Yeah, to get on here and see this. And I can screen any email. I can screen any phone number on here. This is a must have for all parents. If you insert the email address plasticmom at gmail.com, as an example, like I know that email address is in there, you'll get a hit. And it'll tell you that phone number was found on commercial sex advertisements on a commercial sex advertising page. That doesn't mean it's human trafficking. It could be prostitution as an example, but what it does mean is that that person shouldn't be contacting or communicating with a child. There's absolutely no reason why somebody who is participating in the criminal underground, who has a phone number or an email address that's on a commercial sex advertisement because that's what they're participating in, there's absolutely no reason why they should be communicating with a child. Now, there are people in the media who would disagree because they're the types of people who think that sex is work. And I completely disagree with that. And we're just going to agree to disagree with those people because, you know, I'll die on that hill. It's just not. It's demoralizing. It's dehumanizing. It's reducing somebody to just a pile of flesh. And those people who choose to engage in the prostitution market often become victims of human trafficking. Mm. Regardless of where you stand on the moral part of that, it would make sense to reason, to me, it would make sense to reason that if you are old enough to vote or drink or buy smokes or any of those things, that you probably shouldn't have your email or your phone number attached to one of those websites or attached to this industry contacting a child under the age of, say, 18. Correct. That would make sense to me. A number of ways, even regardless of the moral part of it. There are plenty of people in the media who disagree with you. Yeah, well, it's their American right to be wrong and to be an idiot. <laughs> but okay, so having said that, I've just signed up for it. And I'm going to make sure I promote this to my community, the Front Row Dads, and well, thank you. every parent that I know. So thank you, Nick, for sharing that. I don't want to stop. I'm super curious. You mentioned something. You mentioned possibly someone being one of these willing runaways and then being groomed mm -hmm. and then maybe they go there in Nebraska and they might end up in Boston or mm -hmm. they might end up somewhere across the country. Are there any examples of where you've been able to see a victim saved? I hear what you're saying and I'm deeply passionate, committed to it and I give to the cause. I just don't know where and how to, to see it. Have sure. there been examples you can point to? Yes, there's plenty of them. We have had cases at Deliver Fund as an example where we're working with law enforcement and a child was groomed through a gaming console. I mean, like your Xbox type gaming console. 
and through the chat feature. And then they didn't run away. They thought they were meeting a friend, but it ended up meeting somebody who wanted to harm them. And by the time law enforcement figured out with our help who they were and actually went and kicked in their front door, they were four states away. So one of the very first things that predators do is they remove their prey from their support system, right? So traffickers will remove the child from their support system and from the area where they know. And that could be something as simple as, hey, I bought you a Greyhound bus ticket. Go to the bus station and get your ticket and meet me two states away. Or it could be get in my car and we'll get out of here and you're going to live a better life. Whatever it is, they immediately try to remove them from their support system so that they can't reach out for help. Mm, Man, it's a lot to take in. And I'm glad that you're on this end of the fight and serving what I would call the noble cause here. Again, regardless of what some idiots might say in the media, this this (laughs) feels like it should be well covered. Again, I can only say it's just thank you. And I'd like to help get you on as many platforms as I can. I'm curious thank about you. this. I was talking to a friend of mine last night at the Charlotte FC game. And I was mentioning I was going to meet you today. And he listens to the show. And we were wondering what questions might we ask. And I'm curious, being someone who's on the front lines here, we may not be making a big enough dent yet for people to come at you like personally attack, but do you have precautions for your own safety? If a trafficker in a big industry might come at the source of it. How do you answer that? Sure. So one, traffickers probably don't know who I am. And if they do, I don't really care. I survived 30 combat deployments. Bring it. (laughs) You know, it's kind of the way that I look at it. I had a price on my head at one point from Saddam Hussein. He's not paying anymore. There was, (laughs) there was a number of us. We were on very specific lists from Al Qaeda and all number of different groups. So I just kind of don't really care. Is the first thing. Two, I very much understand the level of sophistication of traffickers. And it's not what people think. I mean, when I first started doing this work, I thought that there would be a lot more adversarial sophistication. And there just isn't. I went toe-to-toe with the Russians and countries overseas and, and other state actors. So human traffickers are, quite frankly, just not a big deal. They just don't have the level of sophistication that that Hollywood would lead you to believe that they do, which is why it's so easy to catch them. And it's so easy to detect that kind of activity. I'm not too concerned about it. Secondly, I mean, when you look at the really violent stuff around like the work that cartels do and things like that, there's always companies that are doing anti-money laundering work that are doing all kinds of stuff, helping banks to say detect cartel accounts. And they're not dumb enough to try to go after those companies because the company helped them get an account shut down. I mean, it's just they know they're eventually going to get caught or members of their network are going to get caught and they take the appropriate precautions. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about it because it's just I understand how the system works and what are real threats versus what are theoretical threats. Okay. Well, if you're talking to, let's just say, someone like me and oh, someone like you, someone that's married, has got young children mm-hmm. and something I can do at home to protect myself, protect my kids from the threat of this to the best of our ability, what might be your advice to us at home who are parents of kids? of kids. I I get asked this question a lot. And my advice to all parents is, and especially fathers, is to be a good parent uh, and to be a good dad, especially if you're a father of a daughter. The data on why children become trafficked is pretty clear. Most of the time, it's because you have a household that is lacking a positive male role model. It doesn't necessarily have to be a father. It could be a grandfather. It could be a whoever, but lack of a positive male role model. Or 
it's because you have a male in the house who is actually exacerbating abuse and they essentially are the predator. And that essentially is training the child, the victim in this case, that this is all they are worth. And that makes it that much easier for a trafficker to come in and manipulate them. And traffickers know how to find those types of children. So first and foremost, be a good parent. Second is understand the threat that internet connected devices and internet connected yes. technologies pose to your yes. child. It is the yes. number one threat your child faces. So take appropriate action. There are plenty of great parental control tools from companies like Bark, Aura, that's A-U-R-A, lots of good tools out there and, and use those tools. And if you can't afford them, then drop the Netflix subscription and get these tools instead. So the parental control tools that are out there are pretty good. Apple has pretty good control tools built into their iPhone and the different family hubs. So use those tools. And then the third thing is, and I think this is part of being a good parent, but it's just another step in it to help your child understand that there are adults on the internet that are going to try to manipulate them to do things that they will regret. And if they do something they regret, the very first thing they need to do is come tell you and that they will not be in trouble that they are not going to be grounded because they sent that photo when they shouldn't have or anything like that, that you need to help them understand the threat and then help them understand that you are the solution to minimizing that threat. And then if you are a parent who's experienced something where, say, your child sent a photo or something like that, your number one call should not be to any NGO, should not be to anything like that. It should be to your local law enforcement and you want to blow them all up. You want to call your county sheriff. You want to call your city PD if you have one. You want to call the FBI office. You want to call everybody and let them know what happened because the squeaky wheel gets greased. And then they will direct you to websites like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and sites where you can actually take action. So that's just the baseline. Now, if you want to learn more, like you want to learn what human trafficking really is, you can go to the Deliver Fund website. That's Deliver, D-E-L-I-V-E-R, fund, F-U-N-D, dot org. And we have training for parents on there. We have a human trafficking course that you can take and even get a training certificate for. We have a digital defense for parents course that will be coming out here in the next little while. And so there's all kinds of training on there that you can take and we'll constantly be adding resources to it. Yeah. And then we do our best to distribute, you know, what information we can. And if somebody doesn't have the opportunity to listen to an entire 50 minute podcast, well, great. We will cut this up and clip it up on social media. So, you know, following our social media, mine is at the.nic.mckinley and then following Deliver Fund, which is just at Deliver Fund. Those are also very good resources for information. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. Wow. This has been powerful and I want to keep going and I want to respect your time as well. I'd like to ask you a last couple of questions and wrap things up here, Nick. I'd ask when you hear the name of this show, the Eternal Optimist podcast, what might Eternal Optimist mean for you? Hopeful towards solutions. And when he first reached out about doing this, or I think there was an introduction made or something like that, I thought, oh, an Internal Optimist podcast, because my team kind of makes fun of me a little bit in jest, because they will tell me all the time that the words that they hear out of my mouth the most are cautiously optimistic. And I'll say, you know, well, this is going on and this is going on, but I'm cautiously optimistic that 
this will be the outcome. And so we work towards that outcome. And I think cautiously optimistic is you can't be that if you're not an eternal optimist. When you look at something like human trafficking, it's such a massive problem. There's such a scale issue that it's really easy to get bogged down and be like, you know what? Forget this. Like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go do a job and make a whole bunch of money like my peers are and spend weekends on the boat. And I'm just not going to continue to dedicate my life to this because it's too hard. Or you can be an eternal optimist and say, hey, study of data has shown us that we now know why this happened, which means we know how to fix the problem. So I'm going to go start working towards solutions to fix that problem. It's all a mindset. Amen. Cautiously optimistic might be on the road to eternal optimism. You might be an eternal <laughs> optimist or you might be a recovering pessimist. I don't know. I like cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Very positive. This has been amazing. I want to help get the word out. So we'll stop recording in a second. Then we'll figure out how we can keep getting the word out. But just Nick, just thank you so much for A, for sharing your values and living up to those high standards. B, for doing everything you do with Deliver Fund. Everyone here should go right now to deliverfund.org and go and get this annual subscription to HT Safeguard on the application on your iPhone or any phone that you have. And at Deliver Fund on all the social media and at the.nickmckinley. Is that right? At the.nickmckinley. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Great. Well, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you for the great work you're doing, Nick. Thank you for being on the show today, sir. Hey, thank you, Matt.